Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. The, uh, anybody here from Australia this morning? You have my deepest sympathy in an aspirin. Uh, it's good to be with you guys because right from the first year or so that this church began, I have had a, a uh, relationship with both your pastors, Ruth and Paul, and one of the reasons has been because my roots are in Northland have been. I was born in Mangatarato, just gets into Northland. And, uh, but my forebears came here in 1828, John Edmonds, who um, built part of the stone store, so uh, came out here with the Church Missionary Society. And really what has been on my heart is to see how God has moved on the hearts of your pastors in exactly the same way, it's uncanny, in the same way the vision was established here in Kerikeri as what God did in our hearts, in my wife and I down in uh, Green Lane. And we've been able to spread out, and uh, when we first started, God gave us a vision of a wagon wheel with a hub and the spokes going out. And he said, that's what I want you to establish in Green Lane, a church that will reach out to others. And that same passion is part of Excite, and that's what excites me, is the vision that you have as a church. And I think that the years ahead are going to see this church become a very significant part of what God is doing here in Northland. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. There's something in my spirit which just gels with what you guys are doing, and it's knitted us together as a, as a team. I'm here just to help whatever I can to see that vision come to pass. You know, vision is what it's all about. Vision is what about tonight. They're talking about the books that we've well, I've written, but they're they're on with a focus on leadership, but the three I've got, there's, there's a fourth one hasn't been published yet when I get around to it in the next couple of months. But that's the definer for leadership. The other three are about things that should be in the life of every Christian. Vision, passion, and character. Those things are what a Christian is about. It's what God wants in our lives. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't got it, get it, because it's about spiritual formation, about what you can uh, do in your life for God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And Father, our prayer this morning is that through the frailties of human endeavor, that you would breathe by your spirit upon your word and make it live in our hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. We've all been enamored with the Olympics, haven't we? It's been great fun watching them, 
It's uh, quite a vicarious thing. I, I used to row in my younger years, and uh, I love the rowing. And I can feel them as they're going down. There's nothing more exciting than, than being in a rowing eight, and you're going down. You know, you, it, I don't know what it is, but it's the most um, fulfilling thing I've ever done in the sports field of my life, was being a rowing eight, and you win. But you are... You are so spent. You just cross the, the uh, finishing line and you're just gulping for air and for oxygen. It's it, the pain, the ecstasy, and the agony. They're, they're both combined. It's, an, it's a peculiar feeling. And as you, make, as you make the line, as you win, you know, and God has called us all to be winners in Him. Now, there can be, and we look forward to that. But, you know, there's a lot of pain goes into that as well. There's a lot of agony in, in the effort that we have to put in because we've got to deal with the old self to get through to what God really wants to see happen in our lives. There's always a struggle going on because we have to be obedient to his word. And uh, I've been interested to watch the little interviews after people have won a medal. And you know what? They all inevitably come up with one thing. They always say, I, as, a, as a kid, I saw, these, I saw the Olympics on TV, and I thought, I would like to be that in the future. And somehow, rather, and now that I'm here, my dream has been fulfilled. The vision has come to pass, and here I am as an Olympic medal winner. Do you know that's the same in a Christian life? And I'm going to take you through that this morning. Because we all have a vision to reach for. God has put it into our lives, a vision for, for what he wants to see achieved in our lives. You know, there's a verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, and it says, and it says this. You know, I know the thoughts that I think Toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. God has got a future for you. God's got a plan for every single person. You're not sitting here without knowing what you're doing or where you're going. God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. But the question is, becomes this. How do I find it? There's another verse over in uh, second. Just dropping all my things out of my Bible. Picture of my wife. Remind me of the other important thing in my life. Second Timothy one nineteen, and it reads this. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and that everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I haven't got the right verse. I've 119, 119.
Now, I've written the wrong verse down. Anyway, let's switch to another one. Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, that accord according to his purpose. God's got a purpose for our lives. Everything works together for good. And this is the challenge that we often have as Christians. God, what are you doing in my life? God, where are you in my life? God, what is my purpose in my life? I want to tell you this morning, you can find that plan and purpose for your life. You can know it. Now, there will be opposition to it. Whenever you get something going in God, there will be opposition for it. But there are four steps that you need to know to achieve the vision that God has got for your life. And I want you to turn with me to Habakkuk. That's page 984 in your Bible. You can't find it. It's, but it's a very important little passage. It's a book you don't often uh, refer to, but in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, you have laid out for us there the, the pattern that we have to do to get a vision from God. There are four steps to it. The four steps are these, and I will go through them quickly after this. You need to watch, write, work, and wait. The four steps to getting a vision from God. Now, the, it starts off in verse, verse 1. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I, what I will answer when I'm corrected. And what does this mean? Let me open it up for you. You've got a picture here. In the, in the olden days, you had a, all the little cities had a big wall around them. And at night, they had guards on the wall walking around keeping an eye and protection on the city because it wasn't going to be attacked at the night. Now, it didn't have any, there wasn't any electricity in those days. There was no lights around in the city. It was pitch black. You know, if you've ever known what it is, it, it, in New Zealand, wherever you go, if you're in a city or in a town, there's always this ambient light shining from all the lights that are on everywhere. But you go out into some places up in Papua New Guinea, which I visit occasionally, they don't have electricity in some parts. And you get out there, and you can hardly see your hand in front of your face. It's black. And this is the picture that has been drawn here. And here is a, a, a guard, a sentry, walking around the ramparts, around the top of the wall of the city at night. And he's looking out, and he's looking up, and he sees all the stars in heaven. You know, the darker it is on, on earth, the more bright looks the heavens. And he's looking at the majesty and the wonder of all these stars and planets that are hanging up there in the light, and he's saying, God, that's fantastic. That's amazing. That's so huge. But God, who am I? Where do I fit? What's my plan? What's the purpose? What am I doing here on earth? And he's communing with God, and he's saying to God, God, speak to me. Show me who I am. Show me what your plan and your purpose is for my life. You need to watch. And it's the same with us today. You know, we all live in busy lives, don't we? We have the, we have the Olympics on this afternoon. We had the rugby last night. We're so busy watching that square little box in the corner of the room. I wonder how much time we've got to think about what God's purpose is for our lives. 
I'll tell you how you get the first step on finding out what God wants in your life is to watch. And what, is, what do I mean by that? You need to set aside a day sometimes. Say to your wife, say to your kids, or say to your husband, honey, I'm out of here for 12 hours. You're not going to see me. But I'm going to have some time with God, and I'm going to find out what he wants in my life. Get aside with God. You need to have spend some time with God. You need to open up your heart with God. And this is what it says. I will watch to see what he will say within me. It's what, what he's saying is, what the God is saying, I'm going to watch and see what God will say into my life, into my heart, and will change me. You want to find out what God's purpose is for your life? Spend time with him. You'll never find it out. You'll get into the, into the daily humdrum of life and you'll miss it. Because the busyness of life will interfere with what God wants for your plan and purpose for your life. You know, there's uh, carrying on in Jeremiah 29, it says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found of you. God is there. And if you want to know who he is and what he has in store for you, you need to just say, I'm going to spend this day, maybe you've got two days to do it, I don't know, but God will speak to your life. But you need to have that quietness to seek him apart from all the distractions that go on in life. Take, invest those 12 hours. Invest it. It'll be the greatest investment you'll ever make in your life. Find out what God has to say, and he will speak to you. You'll know it. You will know it. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. So watch. Then in verse 2, it says, write the vision. Make it plain. Write the vision. So the next thing, having got the vision in your heart, you write it down. Why do you write it down? It's important. You write it down so you won't forget it. Because what happens is this. If the vision is going to be important in your life, it's going to be contended against. The old enemy of our souls doesn't want us to live the vision that God has for our lives. He'll bring all the obstacles, all the problems you can think of, and throw them at you so you don't achieve what God wants you to achieve. So you need to write it down. And the reason being is that as you have your daily quiet time, so important. In one of those books there, you'll find 10 minutes that'll change your life. Ten minutes a day. You say, I haven't got ten minutes a day. I'll tell you what you do. Just tape the news and play it back afterwards. You'll have ten minutes saved out of all the ads. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. If you follow the pattern of ten, ten minutes a day seeking God, and you do it at the start of the day, I've got to confess I do mine at the end of the day. It's the only time I can find any quietness. Most of my Bible study is done between 10 
and two in the morning. Ten at night and two in the morning. It's only time the phone stops ringing and people stop calling and I can get some quietness. But the Bible recommends ten minutes at the beginning of the day. And there's a pattern how you do it, ten minutes. It'll just change your life. Divide it into sections, what you do. Write it down and then pray over it in that 10 minutes. Pray over what God is speaking to you, your vision. And that, what will happen, you won't forget it. It will still be there as a focus in front of you. And then, not only that, it will become a signpost. Or the second thing I've got up there is watch, write. There's a bullet point there, two bullet points. Bang, bang. Oh, we haven't got it. There we are, forgetfulness. And then consistency, because one of the things that will come about in your life, one of the challenges that you have from the enemy of your life will be not to, not to withstand your vision, but to quietly take you off track. Remember when I was at school, we used to have a, a tangent? Remember that straight line with a curve going off it? It was a tangent. And what happens if you carry on a tangent, you end up going backwards. And that's exactly what the old enemy often does with the vision that God gives us. He says, well, just try this little bit. It's a bit hard going straight ahead. Just, just, just be off here a little bit. Before you know where you are, you're backtracking. Consistency. Then the next one is direction. It'll keep you headed in the right direction. A course correction. I used, I've got a, uh, held a pilot's license for about the last 70, 70 50 years. More than that, actually. But um, they used to teach us that you had to check your direction every five minutes, that you're flying on the right course. Check it against the map. God's given us a map, a vision for our lives, and we need to be daily correcting it so that we keep on track, consistent in what, what, is, what we're doing and flying the right, right uh, course. The other thing it does by doing this, it imprints it on your soul. Your vision becomes part of you, who you are, who you really are. And then, of course, pray over it. Pray over it. So watch, write. Then the third thing is work. You know, I've, I've, I've had people, I've said to people, you know, what's your vision? Oh, my vision. I remember one guy used to say to me, ah. My vision, God's calling me to go to Gisborne and establish a church there, and I'm going to see hundreds of people come to Christ. Oh, great vision. I saw him about four years later. I said, what's your vision? Oh, he said, my vision is to go to Gisborne, and I'm going to establish a church there. I'm going to see lots of people come to Christ. A couple of years later, I saw him. I said, what are you, what's your vision? And I said, well, what are you doing here? Why aren't you in Gisborne? You follow me? You've got to work at it. Visions don't come to pass with you sitting on your backside in a seat watching TV. Doesn't happen. You've got to work at it. I'm waiting for God to do it. Listen, God doesn't breathe on nothing. God breathes on what you do. 
You've got to do something for God to breathe on it. <coughs> so work at it. The moment I'm building a house, now if I said to you today, hey, come down to Auckland next week and stay with me. Oh, yeah? Where do you live? And I said, I roll out the, pair, the plans. And they said to me, there's, there's your bedroom. Yeah, but hang on a minute. Is it, is it built? No, but, but that's my house. You know, that's my vision. You see, you've got to work at your vision. You've got to bring it in to make it something. And when my house is finished, you'll say, yeah, where do you live? I'm coming. You see the difference? You can't, you can't live in dreams. You've got to work at it to make the dream into a reality. So watch, write, work, wait, wait. Verse 3 says this, for the vision is, uh, is, for, is yet for us a appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. In other words, it will not be late. Here's the point. I remember when I was 19 years old, my first year at university. And I wanted to know whether all this religious stuff, this Christian stuff was real or not. And I spent a whole year looking at the arguments for and against Christianity, for and against evolution, creation, all that sort of stuff. I read a book in those days which was called The Seal of God by Frank Payne and it really challenged me as to the, the veracity of Scripture and the reality of who God is. At the end of that year, I had an encounter with God, best way I can say it. And overnight, I woke up the next morning with a passion for God's Word. I can't explain it. Just an absolute excitement when I pick up this book. And do you know this? 50-odd years later, that passion is still the same when I read God's Word. It hasn't changed. It's exactly the same. So in the, that happened at the Christmas time. In the February, university started end of February. And one night after lectures, I was standing on Simon Street in Auckland waiting for the number nine bus. How, do you, how does that read? And I had a little pocket testament in my pocket. And I pulled it out while I was waiting for the bus. And I opened it up. And I started to read it. And I opened up in 1 Timothy 4.12. And it said, Let no one despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believer in life and character, etc. Neglect not the gift which is given to you by the laying on of hands of the best tree. And, I, and it 
bounced at me. You know, I don't know if you've ever done that before, but there was something about this jolly verse. It just went, wow, wow. Two days later, my pastor rang me up. And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, two nights ago, he said, we were having an elders meeting. And one of the elders had a prophecy and it named you and said that we are to lay hands on you and set you aside for ministry. Wasn't that fantastic? Now in the church I was in, they had a... All churches have different ways of working and they had the church that when you were young, you about 18 and 19, you became a deacon then when you're in your late 20s and behaved yourself, you became an elder. And then maybe in your 30s, you became a pastor. And then finally, you reached the pinnacle in your 40s or 50s, you became an apostle. I went through university. I qualified. I became a senior lecturer in the subject that I was keen on. I ran a very large youth group, probably the largest in the city, of the church I was in, probably the largest in the country, the church I was in, probably one of the largest youth groups in the country of any church. Do you know I couldn't even make deacon? Thank God I got a vision for my life. He confirmed it miraculously. Do you know it was another 19 years later, another lifetime later, than I that I finally began to see that vision come to pass? Wait. Watch. Write. Work. Wait. Wait. God's got a time for your life. Think of Samson. Samson achieved more in the day of his, the last day of his life than he achieved in the whole of it put together. That's a bit painful, that. That's the truth. You hear what I'm saying? If you go into the Hebrew, original Hebrew of this, this verse actually says that the vision is like a flower. I remember when I was a kid, when I was about nine years old, somebody gave me a large magnifying glass for my, my, my birthday. I went around my all my mother's garden looking at squash bugs and all sorts of things. And then I discovered if you cut open the bud of a flower, inside that bud is the flower all crunched up, it, but it's, it's all there, just waiting until the day that it grows and births open. And this is the same picture that we get here in the original Hebrew in this verse. It says, the vision is like a flower, wait for it. 
It will not tarry. It will not be late. On its appointed day, it's going to burst into all its magnificence and all its glory. Wait for it. God has got a plan and purpose for your life. And at the appointed day, if you watch, write, work at it, at the appointed day, it will not be late in God's timing. No man... No obstacle can stand against the vision that God has given to you. It will come to pass. It surely, it says here, it will not be late. Work at it. In the meantime, trust God. It will surely come to pass. Secondly, learn to listen to God. Walk with God through the development of the vision, through the waiting for it to come to pass. Learn to listen to God. There will be the scoffers coming along. Nehemiah went to build the wall. What happened? He had the Sambalats and the Tobias. You, you can't do it. You're not really the person. You know, if God really wanted to do that, he would have got a different person than you. You know, you're not really equipped. You really haven't got the skills. But listen. Cut them off. Listen to God. See what God has to say. And then keep working at it. I'm going to finish with this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. It's found in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Is looking under Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We read that quickly, we don't understand it. Let me, let me just unwrap it for a minute. Here was Jesus. We talk about the sufferings of Christ, the passion of Christ. For the joy, what was his joy? The joy was seeing you and I, Him making a way that you and I might come and be in Him. That's the joy. For the joy that was set before Him endured the pain, the suffering, the agony of the cross. For the vision He had of the cross. What was His vision? Luke 19.10, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is Lost, that's what he came for. That was his vision. For the joy that was set before him. He looked through the struggle. He looked through the pain. He looked through the tribulation. He looked through the suffering. And he saw the joy. That's the vision that God gives us. We'll go through... We will go through stresses. We'll go through trials. You know, when you're in your 20s, you think life's really choice. When you get into your 30s, you begin to think that life probably won't deliver what it promises. It never does. Only God delivers what He promises. That's why a lot of people divorce and have marriage breakdowns in their 40s. They come to realize that it's not all a bed of roses. But for the joy, for the joy that was set before him, he endured these things so that we might come into really what God wants for us. God's got a plan and purpose for your life.
So right now, as we come to a close, maybe you don't know Jesus. You haven't asked him into your life. You know, it's the best thing you can ever do. God said, the Bible simply says to us, listen, that God made us, God made man, his intention was to make man perfect. And he gave him a free will. Man rebelled against God. That's self. God wants his love into our life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, right where you start, where you sit today, if you've never made that commitment, you can make that commitment and find God's plan and purpose for your life. But you've got to come and give him your life first and say, God, here it is. I'm going to do it your way. That's really what it's saying. God deals with the past, deals with everything. You want to do that? It's a very simple thing to do. Just follow me now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never made a decision to, to ask Jesus into your life and change you, you can do it right now. It's a very simple thing. Just pray this prayer after me. Pray it in your mind. Just pray it quietly in your mind. Say this. Say, Father in heaven, I come to you this morning. God, I need to know your purpose in my life. I come to you. I ask you to change me. I ask your spirit into my life. Cleanse me. Make me a whole new person. Change me. I thank you that you died upon a cross to pay the price of my failure that I might have your vision for my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just a moment longer. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, is anybody here this morning just prayed that prayer for the first time? Just give me a little wave. One more thing. Just give me a little wave and say, yep, prayed that prayer. Anybody here this morning? Okay. I want to pray for those this morning who are seeking God or a vision for their life. And you're saying, God, I need to know it. Well, maybe you've been, had that vision, but as the saying goes, the wheels are starting to fall off. And you're saying, God, where are you? If that's you this morning. I want you to just, as a point of faith, just stand where you are. And I'm going to pray for you that God will really touch your life and reveal it just where you are. Because God's got plans for you. All right? Just where you are. Stand, many stand. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for those that are standing now. God, you have spoken into their lives. God, you know what they are longing for because you've placed that longing deep within their soul. Father, I I pray that you would speak into their lives now and encourage them. Father, they may, have, they may have that patience to see that you're at work and you're going to come, it's going to come to pass. Maybe in others here that there's obstacles that they see they cannot get over. Father, we speak to those obstacles. We speak to those walls right now and we say to them, come down, come down. In the name of Jesus, come down. Father, I pray for a clarity of vision 
and a spirit of encouragement right now into their lives that they might be touched by your spirit right at this moment. And Lord, a spirit of joy for the joy that was set before them. Father, let them see and feel the joy now, right now, in Jesus' name, touching them and leading them. We thank you for that now in Jesus' name. You may be seated. God bless you.